that the voice there of Sami Yusuf uh, singing those resolute words on Palestine, of course, our topic for the next hour. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My name is Sisneem Adams and I'll be with you until 12 o'clock as we discuss the latest developments uh, happening in, around, in and around Masjid al-Aqsa. Of course, over the past two days, South Africans uh, have been closely watching these developments in East Jerusalem. We saw the unprecedented closure of the holy site for the first time since 1969. Uh, we know on Friday there was no Jummah uh, for the first time in decades, no sounding of the Adhan. Uh, we saw images emerging on social media showing that the uh, Masjid com- uh, compound looked uh, somewhat like a ghost town, for lack of a better word, uh, as Palestinians were denied access uh, to the sacred sites. And we saw Palestinians performing Salah on the streets outside. Uh, lots of images and videos coming through on social media as uh, Israeli security officials barred all Palestinians from entering the uh, the old city as well. And just some context, uh, on Friday uh, three Palestinian citizens of Israel allegedly shot two uh, Israeli officers dead uh, in the old city uh, before fleeing to the Al-Aqsa compound where they were killed by police and this of course prompted uh, Israeli authorities to shut down the entire old city uh, which uh, many Palestinian analysts and commentators are saying is a form of collective punishment and we also know that the uh, Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, Sheikh Mohammed Hussein, was detained and interrogated as well. Uh, yesterday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu announced that the Al-Aqsa uh, mosque compound will reopen today, but he did warn of greater security measures as well. So how will this affect the status quo of the uh, Masjid Al-Aqsa compound? That's what we hope to discuss or unpack in the next hour or so. Um, I'm going to be your host for this particular show, as I mentioned, and uh, uh, in the next hour, we hope to speak to Palestinian archaeologist Dr. Abir Sayyad. In studio, we've got uh, Dr. Anwar Nagia, and later on, we'll have Sheikh Ibrahim Abra- uh, Gabriels. Rather, um, hopefully, we'll be able to connect with a, a member of the Al Quds Foundation as well. We're going to try to squeeze in your calls if there is time on the number 021-442-3530. Uh, At the moment, I know our SMS and WhatsApp lines are down. We're trying to, uh, you know, just uh, connect again and and just uh, see if we can get those lines back up and running. Uh, but let me just introduce my guest and greet my guest, uh, Dr. Anwar Nagia, the uh, director of the CAF Trust in the Palestinian Human Rights Museum. Assalamu alaikum to you and shukran so much for joining us. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, before we get into the discussions with Dr. Anwar Nagia, we're wanting to link up with uh, Jerusalem-based archaeologist Dr. Abir Ahmed Zayad, uh, who uh, lives very close to Masjid al-Aqsa. She lives in the old city, and you recall that uh, she visited South Africa in April this year. We had her in at the VOC studios, and she gave a really, really interesting accounts of what is happening at Masjid al-Aqsa at the moment. Of course, she holds a master's degree in archaeology, and she's been involved uh, in the preservation of Masjid al-Aqsa and its surrounding areas. Uh, she's also been deeply involved in exposing the Israeli narrative, uh, which we know is aimed at usurping the noble sanctuary for uh, its Zionist objectives. And we're trying to uh, get uh, Dr. Abir on the line. I know our technician is struggling a bit. Uh, but uh, let's chat to uh, Dr. Anwar Nagia. Dr. Anwar, obviously you've been, I mean, we all know you're a very passionate advocate of the Palestinian struggle. You've been very, um, 
uh, I think, emotional about what you've been seeing in Palestine uh, over the past two days and you've been keeping us updated. Give us an overview uh, from your account or from what uh, you, you've discovered over the past two days. Inshallah. Shukran, Tasneem, uh, and again, the radio has been quite vigilant in uh, bringing this alive and the forum to the community. I think the, the issue around the Al-Aqsa uh, compound and the Al-Aqsa mosque and also its uh, sacredness for Muslims but also sacred for, for many believers in justice and peace and more particularly uh, the Muslims of Palestine and obviously the custodians um, of our first um, Qibla. So for a while now the Zionist entity, uh, the illegitimate state of Israel is trying to justify by all different mediums their, not only their siege of Al-Aqsa but also their justification as a nation, their justification as a particular entity at the global, <clears throat> at the global level. So one of the things that they need to do, because this, this lie they've been fabricating to many young uh, Israeli children, innocent children whose minds have been completely uh, um, indoctrinated by the narrative that they existed there many centuries ago and that all sacred sites uh, inherently belongs to the the Jewish people. And we want to say this very loud and clear. We, we are not against Judaism at all. We're not anti-Semitic in any way. And, <clears throat> but we do not support the illegitimate occupation. So what has happened in, in Al-Aqsa? Part of the, the discourse uh, there is the desecration of many of the holy sites, and particularly the takeover of the Ibrahimi Mosque, which they now control completely. And one of their main, their main issues uh, to support particularly the, uh, the ruling party, which is the settler community, was to in fact resolve the issue of Al-Aqsa. Uh, not only the, the narrative of the Temple Mount that needs to be restored mm. on, on, on the exact site and location where Al-Aqsa has been, has been built, but also to complete the story uh, to the Jewish people that that is part of the coming, the recoming of, of, of what they believe, uh, the return of their Messiah. And it is very important that they try to justify this by every means. And of course, we know that in order to destroy a nation and to destroy a people is to destroy not only its literature, but also it's the built environment and its spaces, which not only held sacred, but what it holds important for its worship. And this is exactly what, what took place. So, so Friday was by no way a coincidence mm -hmm. that the execution, the uh, judicial execution um, of these uh, innocent young lives, they were leered into the compound, um, not even sure if they were the same people that had the, the incident with the other soldiers, um, and they do this quite regularly, where thousands upon thousands of people's lives are being made a misery every Friday, where they tell you if you're over 50, you have rites of passage, if you're yeah. under 50, you are you, a state risk, and not only to the state of Israel, but you're just a state risk to humanity, because this whole narrative of the Palestinian discourse being placated in a terror and a terroristic kind of, kind yeah. of way, uh, everybody cottons onto this, the free will cottons onto this, and of course our political parties in South Africa have cottoned onto, this, onto the same story. Yeah. So it's important for us to not only preserve um, the sanctity of Al-Aqsa, but also to preserve the, one of the major um, icons in Islam being, being our first Qibla. So we cannot tolerate this by any, by any um, 
um, a logical reason and we cannot in fact expect um, that the free world can have this rites of passage to understanding the narrative in their way. And the mainstream media aids in a bit and fuels that, that particular discourse as if this is a clash not of civilizations, but it's a clash of the independence of the Israeli state to have legitimacy in the world. And, and we, can't, we can't have that. So that, in a way, not only speaks about Friday, but speaks about other incidents that has happened at the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Now, not only have they walked into the mosque with, with, literally with boots, they handle dogs, they handle all kinds of things, and that kind of nudges are all in our center, mm. but they're also stealing the literature. Yeah. They're also desecrating century-old uh, manuscripts. They're also stealing keys. They're stealing artifacts, and which is very common. Yeah. When we saw images in that on, on Twitter yesterday as well, so... You know, that is quite blatant. Well, they've done uh, already. They, they stole all the, the Ottoman archives of all the roads and maps that was there. And now, obviously, Al-Aqsa was their, their kind of grand prize mm. uh, to resolve a number of, a, a number of issues, to, to legitimize uh, their stay. And also, there's a powder keg inside of illegitimate uh, Israel where the kind of millennials are not buying into the same narrative mm. as these right-wingers, as the Netanyahu's uh, uh, progress with their story. Mm. And to justify that, their big prize is also Al-Quds. Assalamu alaikum and uh, welcome back uh, to this uh, special focus on uh, Mashir al-Aqsa. Still with me now is uh, Dr. Anwar Nagin. We're chatting about uh, the latest developments there. Um, Dr. Anwar, I want to turn to uh, the latest that, that we've seen in the press. Uh, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu deciding to uh, introduce heightened uh, measures at the Al-Aqsa compound uh, following the events of the past two days. Uh, him saying that uh, the old city will be reopened today, that uh, the Masjid compound would be a reopened today, uh, but of course with uh, certain restrictions. Uh, do you see that this will perhaps change the uh, status quo and, and the situation in the, the old city is pre at present? Yeah, I think it will change the status quo. It won't change our uh, repugnant resistance uh, to their um, violent measures of controlling people. They've, they've used surveillance cameras now. They've changed the cleaning staff. They've put on security gates, metal detectors. They've taken every aspect of, of Al-Aqsa Mosque and have actually put it under high surveillance cameras. G4 security, which we kicked out of South Africa, parts of them, and also we asked different companies in the world to boycott them. They're actually playing quite a, uh, quite a big role. So the issue around Netanyahu, Netanyahu doesn't have any authority to determine and to decide what happens at Al-Aqsa. He, do, he does this completely with, uh, with guns. He does this completely with the backing of the U.S. and, of course, the, the allies of, of Israel. Uh, no fewer does Israel now have um, Saudi allies. Um, the Gulf states are all supporting um, the Israeli government and we can't say that they're supporting the closure of Al-Aqsa but certainly they are supporting the legitimacy of the state of Israel which allows them this kind of gravitas to carry on. So people will be resisting, thousands upon thousands of people now as we speak are resisting um, the Israeli uh, occupation of the mosque and also the, the restrictive measures that are there. It's not within their legal and also international competency to do this. The United Nations, although we don't support many of the United Nations resolutions because, or, or countries because they don't support the uh, resolutions against the State of Israel, but if any, amnesty and the issues of UNESCO and others should all 
in fact condemn this this uh, illegitimate and arbitrary sanction mm. of the the Alexa uh, compound. Okay, I believe we've got Dr. Abir Sayyad uh, online. Dr. Abir, alaikum. Can you hear me clearly? Dr. Abir, shukran so much for joining us. We won't keep you too long. We know it's quite hectic there today. Uh, just give us an, uh, an update on the situation. How are things looking in the old city today? First, thank you to the old city. It was a lot of fight because there is no gate that allows for people in, uh, from Jerusalem to enter to the old city. Just if you have your addresses inside the old city, you will be able to enter. And for uh, and it's very hard to enter. So uh, for me, it takes me from 7.30 to almost 9.30 to be able to enter to the old city because it, it tries all different gates to be able to, to arrive. And uh, after that, inside the office itself, you can't be called uh, to any uh, uh, houses uh, that are just leaving next to uh, the uh, Aksumov. Uh, the door is still closed. There is no sense of pride. There is no again. There is no praying. There is no movement inside the mosque at all. Now they are putting electric gate in two gates of Aksumov, which are lion gate, spot uh, gate, and measurement gate. And they say that uh, yesterday they said that they will open at 12. Now they say that they will uh, open at 2. And uh, it will be very limited access to the mosque through these electronic gates. So it, uh, and it will not be for the people who are living outside of the old city because it's not allowed for people from outside even to enter to the old city. So how they will be able to enter to the mall of itself? The situation is still very uh, sensitive. It's very clear that we lost the whole com- uh, control on the mall today. They uh, entered uh, Israel uh, cleaners to the mosque Jewish. Mm. Uh, they clean inside the mosque itself, which is the first time uh, since the 1967 that something like this happened. Everything is a new situation, is a new uh, uh, thing that if we, if we accept it and if we pass this, this means that the situation it will be like the Brahimi mosque and it will be divided uh, the mosque and it's just a step for destroying and demolishing the mosque. So it's very important everybody to stand, not to accept, not to uh, be silent on what is happening now inside Al-Aqsa Mosque. Mm. What do you know of the extent of the damage uh, or the desecration to the masjid? How much uh, damage? And now we you... have a lot of information, but we do not, uh, no one of us enter inside. We know that they mm. have damaged the library, the museum, the offices, the, everything inside the mosque. But still now we do not have any access to be sure exactly what uh, the damage that happened. We know that archaeological department was inside. We do not know what they put inside. Maybe in a few uh, months or years, we will hear them saying that they found this archaeological evidence or that archaeological evidence, which we know now they are putting these things inside the mall. Mm. Now, I also believe that uh, this morning there was going to be, uh, you know, a period for Jewish visitors to to enter into the mosque compound. I mean, has that been the case? They, they say that they say that they will allow for uh, the visitor, but till now we are uh, they did not enter. They enter only the workers from Israel, Muslim, Jewish. They enter the police. They enter the ministry, Israel ministry, Israel parliament. And uh, mm. Jewish uh, Zionists are waiting uh, to enter in a few uh, minutes to the mosque. Mm. This is 
is the information that we have till now. Mm. Now, I've also read reports that the uh, the Islamic Waqaf Department of Jerusalem uh, was saying that it, it's lost definitive control over the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Yes. How much power yes. or authority uh, does the Waqaf Department have in, in sort of quelling these tensions uh, in the old city? Now, they lost everything. Mm. Now, we lost as Muslims everything inside. We yeah. do not have any kind of control. Uh, it's a very important message. Now is more needed for all Muslims from all over the world to come and to try to pray inside. It's very important everybody now to speak about the mosque. And the other message that I want to pass is that now it's just to prove that the real people that we're supposed to stand with them is the people who are living inside the old city and around it. Because they are now the only people that are fighting instead of the whole ummah about Jerusalem. And, and how do you feel about the role of Jordan as the custodian of uh, the sacred uh, mosque? Uh, wh- what is their role uh, in this whole issue? Jordan is uh, saying that they are doing their uh, best to stop what is happening and to reopen the mosque. Uh, the same other countries saying, uh, we as Jerusalem people, we not feel uh, something is changed. We are still struggling to enter to the city, not even to the mosque. It's very hard for each one even to see his own family. I can't arrive to my sister's house. She can't go out from her house to see her even. The situation in the city is very hard. So we don't know what the Arab or Muslim government or even Muslim people, what they are doing outside when this is happening in the mosque. It's very important to remember that this mosque is the first uh, the second mosque in the earth, the first Qibla, mm-hmm. the uh, Iqbal it's uh, the third mosque that you are uh, asking to visit. So what you are waiting for to, to, to stop to stand for the mosque. Mm. And then lastly, Dr. Abid, I mean, what's the feeling amongst Palestinians today? I mean, surely it's been a harrowing uh, weekend, um, as we've seen, you know, many uh, emotional and disturbing images surfacing on social Still media. Now we do not see enough, even from uh, the Palestinian Gaza or the West Bank or uh, wherever they are, we do not see enough uh, supporting. For us as Jerusalem people now, is the only thing that we are thinking about is opening uh, the mosque, uh, mm. to have uh, uh, keeping the mosque, and we, we can't understand anything that is going out. Maybe we are so emotional now. Maybe what we are saying is so emotional now, but you, you can't. Uh, we can't explain how much our feelings in the mosque is all our life. There is no meaning for our life or for our mm. existing if the mosque is not with us. You can't, you know, when you, when you walk in the office, each one is looking for each other and each one wants to cry. Each one of the old city people just does not want, does not have anything to say. Just, they're just looking at each other. They can't say anything for each other. We, it, 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 some people from outside, they can't understand our mentality as the people who grow up in the old city. Everything is mean for us in Oxford. It does not mean for us anything else. It does not mean our lives or the lives of our children or our parents. It does not mean anything for us without the mosque. Mm. 
Mm, some very powerful words there from Dr. Abiz Zayad speaking, us, uh, speaking to us live uh, from uh, East Jerusalem this afternoon. Dr. Abiz, shukran so much. And of course, uh, we will uh, continue to keep uh, the Palestinian people in our du'as and you. pray that uh, peace be restored to the old city, inshallah. Shukran so much. Oh, that call drop there with uh, Dr. Abiz. But certainly some very uh, important details coming there from uh, Dr. Abiz. Dr. Nagia, what's your thoughts on what she said? Absolutely. Um, I've been on the line with Dr. Abir now for the last 24 hours and, and a bit, um, obviously getting very important information <coughs> with regard to the, the resistance and the impact of this, this arbitrary closure. Um, and the deafening silence of the calls by the Adhan, by Al-Aqsa, is so deafening that, that many, many people have heard the silence across the world. Mm. And despite the fact that the Israeli uh, architecture and the Israeli allies and alliance forces who have allowed this to happen in full view of the world, in fact, that, def- that, that silence, in fact, will deafen, will deafen their ears. Mm. So just in terms of the, uh, the archaeological contribution and the desecration of our, of our history, I mean, that cannot go unchallenged. We call upon all civilized human beings, conscious human beings, Muslim and non-Muslim, um, to to resist against this and that this must strengthen our resolve every day, every hour and that we must call upon um, nations of the world to rise up against the expulsion of the illegitimate state of Israel and more particularly the, uh, the Zionist project mm. as it is expressed uh, over, the, over the many years. This to us is, is the turning point and I think it is going to be a way to galvanize more people that was on the periphery um, the blockage of information in Palestine is, is very chronic, not only walking, water, electricity, um, food, and other things. So communications are blocked out. And Sister B stays 80 meters from Al-Aqsa. Mm. She stays in a little, a little um, uh, two, two streets away. And as she give it, gave expression now, parts of the city where her sister stays in, it's impossible for them to even... To even meet. And this, mm. this happens all the time with the apartheid wall, the Israeli apartheid wall that was separated whole communities. We see this in the, in the daily lives of people. It's a, it's a constant mental and social provocation. And the only uh, relief people have that they know justice will come, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in fact cannot and will not allow this to perpetuate forever. And certainly uh, the closing of Al-Aqsa should reignite um, the forces not only in South Africa but around the world mm. uh, against against this kind of atrocities and I think that movement now is there and I think um, they will regret it and we must make them regret this we cannot we cannot let this go uh, unavenged or unpunished or, or or unretaliated we are not asking for people to go out and 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 create violence but there's other responses uh, social media responses there's electronic intifadas there's discourse and the debates, but there will also be a time where we have to defend ourselves in yeah. the physical way and where young youth, children, mothers, grandparents and children have all defended Al-Aqsa. Mm. Um, absolute uh, remarkable bravery and of course the voices and the souls and the martyrs and the prophets mm. that in fact once um, <coughs> made Salah in Al-Aqsa, uh, their souls are not, not resting mm. and I- we call upon that.